Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Tuesday. My name is JJ Jackson. I serve as the host of this podcast. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Also, be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcast, as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. A big-time thank you and a big-time shout-out on the YouTube side of things, surpassing the 500 subscriber mark. Really thrilled about that. Now the journey continues. Let's get to 1,000 subscribers. The countdown is on to get to 1,000 subscribers over on YouTube. Thanks for watching and listening to yesterday's show. It was a great opportunity to have Jason Jordan back on Lockdown Blue Devils once again to talk about the recruiting efforts that John Shire has right now for the Stuke men's basketball team. But football is the topic of conversation today, and I'm so thrilled to bring on a regular guest, one of my very good friends, Josh Cox, from Duke Football Talk's Section 17 podcast. And Josh, we start another week, and the Duke Blue Devils are 2-0 and on the season. Yeah, they went up to Evanston in Big Ten country and uh, took care of business up there. And so started Mike Elko's head coaching career off uh, with two straight victories and um, – and did so really, you know, kind of oddly similar, uh, eerily similar to last year's game uh, where Northwestern came to Durham and we got off to a really, really fast start and then hung on at the end. So a win's a win and we'll take it any way we can get it. Yeah, one score game in both settings. Last year, Duke won 30 to 23. Uh, this year, Duke won 31 23. So Duke got one more point than they had a year ago, but it was a one score game at the end and Northwestern. Uh, had a play at the goal line at the very end of the ball game, uh, fumbled it away, and Duke was able to walk away with the victory there on the road. Let's kind of break it down like we did last week. We'll go offense, defense, and then major takeaways at the end. On the offensive side of the football, what stood out to you this past Saturday? Oh, there is no question what stood out to me about this past Saturday, and that those are the big boys up front yeah. heading into this game. All we heard from the media, all we heard pregame was just how dominant and big and incredible the Northwestern offensive line was. We we talked about or we heard about NFL top 10 draft picks on that line and all these different things. And I I know for a fact, in fact, Coach Elko said it in yesterday's press conference, We I was able to ask him the question, uh, did the offensive line, ta- our offensive line, take that personally? And he said, absolutely. He said, and in case they didn't, we continue to remind them of it throughout the week. And so the word going in uh, to the Northwestern game for Duke was physicality, and they brought it. And so the offensive line, they gave up one sack. Uh, Riley got sacked one time, and they gave up one tackle for loss. Uh, if you compare that to the you know, super talented uh, Northwestern offensive line with all those prospects on it, they gave up two sacks and count them, JJ, seven tackles for loss in Saturday's game. And so if we're going to start on the offensive side of the football, I'm shouting out the offensive line. Um, I'm shouting out the running game 
Um, we, we started that game off with three rushing touchdowns. Um, there was a long one there by Jordan Waters, 42-yarder, that if you watch it back, you'll see John Jalot, who did not play in the Temple game because of an injury, uh, right guard. You'll see him get across the line in front of Waters and take out a would-be tackler. And he got there like just in the nick of time, like he stretched his body and almost just kind of dove at him. But it freed up Waters to get to the secondary. Then he broke a couple tackles, took it to the house. So he and Jalen Coleman both looked really, really good in the backfield. Jalen Calhoun, man, uh, if he's not – he started off the season just hot, man. He's yeah. really started off the season hot. And then the the big play, the Eli Pankow 81-yard catch, not a touchdown. Right. 81 yards. Uh, after being held, his uniform jersey being held and a pass interference, he fought through it. So, yeah, offensive side of the ball, man, I was I was happy. There was a lull in the second quarter. There were two three and outs in a row where I felt like Riley – got a little bit antsy uh, and he made, he, he didn't go through his progressions properly. Um, and then we started out the second half. I felt like Riley put a good ball uh, there in the end zone to Eli. It was a little bit behind him, but it was a 100% catchable ball that winds up being a interception in the end zone. If that doesn't happen, we go up big already in the second half. I think this game might've been a little bit more of a runaway. So offense overall looked very good. Yeah, and they finally did get a passing touchdown through the air, a remarkable catch by Jordan Moore in the, in the back of the end zone. Uh, not sure how he was able to get uh, the feet down on that grab, but he was, and uh, Duke was able to walk away with a victory. A running back by committee approach this season, as we've discussed, and Coleman gets it started, and then Jordan Waters, the two rushing touchdowns himself. So all in all, a really impressive offensive performance from Duke football. Like you said, there were points where there was a bit of a lull. But look, it's football, and how does this team respond? Uh, they did it very well this season. So, Josh, let's go ahead and we'll get set to take our first time out here on today's show. And when we come back, we'll transition over to the defensive side of the football. Again, Duke, they did give up some points this week, but we'll tell you how they performed on the other side of this break. Today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils brought to you by Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting the eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is sending us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app, use promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. You could do that by using promo code LOCKED. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Upside, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Welcome back into today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. JJ Jackson, alongside my buddy Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. I teased it a moment ago when we talk about the defense. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't a shutout again this week. Opponents have scored this year against the Duke football defense. But still, with that being said, what did you like about the defensive unit? 
Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The difference between the Temple offense and the Northwestern offense was, uh, you know, night and day. Just a little um, bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan Helensky, a much improved uh, Ryan Helensky, by the way. Um, Evan Hall, like, I, I, I don't even know what to say about how good Evan Hall was. Um, I did the numbers. If Evan Hall was – if you had Evan Hall in a one-point – uh, PPR fantasy football league. He scored you fifty four point five points. Oh my but I gosh! Mis- but I misspoke because I forgot to add in one thing. He did lose a fumble, uh, <laughs> an important, an important fumble. Yes, it was. So it's actually fifty two point okay. uh, five points uh, because of that. And then, and then, shout out to their offense as well. Thomas Gordon was it? Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Or was it Thomas Gordon? All I right. can't. I'm not really sure. This guy's making one-handed catches. Uh, looks like he's – literally looks like he's an NFL tight end coming down here and playing a college football game. And so, uh, you got to give them credit, honestly, on the offense. They also – I think you have to give Northwestern credit for their the way they adjusted. Uh, beginning about halfway through the second quarter, they started getting Evan Hull in, in mismatches. They did really, really good on making sure that it was Shaka Hayward or Dorian Moosey or whoever the linebackers were that wound up, you know, being responsible for Evan Hull. And he was going to beat that matchup every time. So they were very smart there, but it wasn't enough in the end. And so Mike Elko said this, our job as the defense is to keep points off the board. He said, I don't want to give up a lot of yardage, but if we give up a lot of yardage and we keep them off the board enough, then we've done our job. And so I think the defense did their job. There are some really, really good things that took place. Uh, Jamie on Franklin, Dwayne Carter, both with sacks. Jamie on, that was a busted play, and, man, he had a wide-open lane yes, uh, to, to Helensky. And then if you notice the Dwayne Carter strip sack, uh, he was being held that entire play. I mean, the, from the moment uh, the snap came, he was being held. He fought through a, a no-call hold, uh, strip sack, and then we recovered the fumble there. So uh, really good for those guys. And then um, looking at the, the secondary – 14 pass breakups uh, for that secondary. And you saw guys, you know, shout out to like Brandon Johnson, our nickel. Right. Uh, man, he was, he, I felt like he was all over the place. Um, you saw Chandler Rivers make one big, big play on Hull in the backfield. Uh, and one of those seven tackles for loss, uh, he, he initiated that. Um, I felt like Joshua Pickett played really well at corner. Um, as well, and then you had our safeties, and um, you know Darius Joyner wound up with 14 tackles. Uh, we wonder how Darius Joyner ended up with 142 last year. Was well, because he had games like this, uh, 14 tackles. Now he didn't play a perfect game by any stretch. He had some misses as well, but he wound up with 14 tackles. And then Jalen Stinson. I mean, what more can you say? Not only uh, did Jalen Stinson have that obvious play at the end there, where he put his helmet on the football and knocked it free as Evan Hall was going in for what could potentially have been a game-tying score had the two-point conversion uh, gone through. Um, And Stinson hit that. But not only that, he also had a a pass, uh, a PBU, and then he had 11 tackles for that safety position. And So just a really good day. Uh, Stinson was named the defensive back of the week in the ACC, which I thought was really good for him. And, uh, and then also he was he was good on special teams. Coach Elko specifically mentioned 
the kickoff coming out of halftime. They did kind of that sky kick that was a little bit uh, short, and Jalen came up and aggressively fielded that kick. And that kick can oftentimes uh, wind up being a problem uh, for teams. And so overall, I thought the defense played really well and, uh, you know, gave up a lot of yardage. But listen, this was a high-level opponent. And I don't think we will see another football player as talented and utilized as well as Evan Hull was this past Saturday. And we still got the win. Yeah, big win for Duke. And I like what Coach Elko said because – uh, too often we forget about that, that you can be a little frustrated with, oh, my gosh, this offense had 500 total yards on the day, but how many points did they score? That's what it comes yep. down. You can have 700 yards of offense. If you're not scoring points, cool. You got 700 yards of offense, but you're still possibly losing the football game. Really impressed by what the secondary did. Again, it was a, a Northwestern team that fell behind early, so they had to throw the ball more than they're accustomed to. Like. Crazy amounts of passing attempts for Holinsky. Started his career at South Carolina last year. The most passing attempts he had in a single game was 39. And even that was an outlier by the numbers. He was averaging high 20s for most of the year. And in a game last season against Nebraska, Holinsky attempted 39 passes. He threw the ball 60 times (laughs) on Saturday versus Duke. 60 pass attempts. For Northwestern, just a crazy number. So shout out to the Duke secondary for continuing to defend because I know they were tired after a game like oh, yeah. that where the team's trying to throw the football 60 times. And if you compare the first week uh, against Nebraska, it was the rushing game. It was like a three-headed monster that they had in the backfield. And honestly, by mid- midway through the second quarter, Northwestern had given up on their on their rushing game. Yeah. Duke's D-line and linebackers have done a really good job. Safety's even coming in and getting involved on that. Like I said, seven tackles for loss. I mean, that's that's awesome. And so, yeah, we kind of forced them into that. Um, and then we we did enough bend-don't-break uh, defense there in the secondary to win the football game. But once again, like like you said, like Ochoco said, that's the point. The point of the game is to score more points, keep them off the board as much as possible. And so we did that. And so – uh, really good, though, uh, Big Ten team, and and really excited to get that W. Duke is 2-0 on the year. They have defeated Northwestern 31-23 this past weekend, and now they get set to take on North Carolina A&T. We'll talk about that in a little bit more as we wind down today's episode of Locked on Blue Devils here in just a moment. Make sure that you're getting more on the Atlantic Coast Conference by making Locked on ACC your second listen every day with hosts Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On, like myself, taking you across the conference in 30 minutes. I'm on today's episode of Locked On ACC, talking about the good, bad, and the ugly of the Coastal Division with Candace. Make Locked On ACC your second listen of the day. All right, we're winding down today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my buddy Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. North Carolina A&T, the next opponent for Duke. Uh, the ESPN Football Power Index gives North Carolina A&T a 2% chance of winning this football game. Duke mightily favored against the Aggies coming up on Saturday. So, uh, Josh, what do you want to see from Duke as they get set for another week of competition? Yeah, in this presser yesterday, Coach Elko made this statement, and I think, it's, I think it bears uh, Duke fans you know, paying attention to. 2-0 teams – often have more flaws to them 
than what you're really seeing. Okay. So that's us. O and two teams typically have more things going for them than what people want to admit as well. Sure. And that's A&T. And so like, I, I don't know that. I've not watched one second of, of North Carolina A&T football this year. They started out the season playing uh, North Carolina Central, which is like a huge classic Aggie-Eagle rivalry you know, game. Started out the season doing that this year. And then their second game, they went up to Fargo, uh, North Dakota State, uh, and played them at home. And so that was tough. And they got beat, and they got beat bad. Uh, I think it was 42 or 43-3, to three, uh, something like that. Um, so at the end of the day, this is not – I don't believe this is a good North Carolina A&T team per se. Uh, this is a much improved Duke team. But with all that, listen, it's the boring, mundane, seal this block. It's the boring, mundane, run this route properly. Like, we still have to do those things. And so – are we going to win the game Saturday? Yes, we're going to win the game Saturday. But could we win this game and look really good and impressive and really solidify maybe some things that we need to work on? Or could we win this game and look sloppy, right? That's the, really the question. And so I'm looking for us to really correct some small mistakes that we've been making. I'm looking for the offense to get a little bit more consistent um, and not start out so hot and then we they disappear for 30 minutes of game time, like what happened Saturday. I'd like to see us be a little more consistent throughout the game. I'd like to see Riley Leonard and Kevin Johns working together um, in the second and third quarter as far as making some adjustments um, and getting, you know, making some adjustments even at the line uh, there with Riley. And so uh, ultimately this is going to be a win. There's going to be a lot of people at the game. Uh, Saturday, it's, a, it's an announced sellout. Now that's a little bit qualify that this is Duke employee day. And so as many employees as, as wanted can get up to four tickets uh, to come to this game. So there are a lot of people that have four tickets that probably either are number one, not coming to the game, or maybe one or two people are coming to the game. So I, I do say this, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, we said it on ours. If you happen to be listening and you have extra tickets, make sure you make those things available to other people as well. Cause you know, you don't want to sell out quote yeah. unquote with 10,000, empty seats at Wallace Wade. You know what I mean? So, but it's going to be awesome. There's going to be a lot of people there. A&T travels well. They're they're from Greensboro. So they're only an hour away. A&T has tons of alumni across the state. So there's going to be a lot of A&T fans there. It should be a great time. It will be fun. On Saturday, Duke and North Carolina A&T, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 o'clock Central is kickoff. You can watch the game on the ACC Network Extra or ESPN Plus uh, to be able to watch Duke football going in to week three. Josh, before we let you go, why don't you plug the Section 17 podcast, what you do each and every week. You guys have helmet sticker content that you're now putting out there to the world. So tell folks about everything you got going on. Yeah, so uh, just this past week, we launched our website. That, that was kind of our next step as we continue to grow. So we launched our website, dukefootballtalk.com. And so you can go there. And our plan is this. We'll, we will be releasing our podcast through that website each week, which we did that this morning. Uh, there's an episode where we speak of the Northwestern game and we preview the A&T game a little bit more in detail than what we just did here with JJ. Um, and then we have two segments that we're going to be doing written articles. The first one is called Five Deep. We have one up already with Jalen Calhoun from last week. We asked five questions to help fans get to know these guys better. Um, and so uh, this week, in fact, later on today, I'm supposed to be sitting down uh, with Jalen Stinson and going five deep with Jalen Stinson, so that'll be good. 
Uh, but then we have helmet stickers at the conclusion uh, of each game, day or two after. Uh, we're going to, all four of us are going to give who we feel like needs a helmet sticker, a recognition for something that they did during the game. And we will say this sometimes it's not going to be the, ob- it may not be the obvious guys. You know, it may not be the guys that we're just talking about. And there might be a specific play that we noticed something and we just wanted to recognize it. So we're doing that. So that's our website. Obviously, Twitter, we're at Duke FB Talk. Facebook group, searching Duke Football Talk. Um, as JJ would appreciate here on Locked On, by the way, congratulations on 500 uh, YouTube Thank you, Josh. Uh, yeah. subscribers. That's really awesome, man. Uh, but but on the podcast side, on the listening side, Apple, Spotify, five-star reviews are very important. And so I want to encourage you to to leave a five-star review for Locked On Blue Devils, leave a five-star review for Duke, for Duke Football Talk Session 17 podcast. And then on Apple, it's also really good if you do a written review. I don't believe you can do it on Spotify, but on Apple, you can type out uh, a review, and that really helps. And so that's the plug. Uh, but do it for both of us uh, because we're both trying to put as much Duke content as we can out there on the airwaves. Josh, thanks for the time as always. Looking forward to chatting with you next week. All right, be well. All right, man. Have a great week. Go Duke. That's my buddy Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 Podcast joining us on the program. A lot of great stuff as always. Coming up on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, we chat with Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated to talk a little bit more about this Duke football team. Still to come in the week, we'll have more Duke basketball conversation for you as well. Today, we are 55 days away from the start of the Duke men's basketball season. Brian Zubek, days away from the start of John Shire's first season being the head coach. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.